0: Hey, it's Martine. Today, we have the last installment of our series on quitters, hosted by our executive producer, Maggie Penman. If you have not yet heard parts one and two, go back and check them out. Okay, here's Maggie. This week, we've been talking a lot about people who made the decision to quit their jobs this year and where that's leaving their employers. A lot of people have called this phenomenon the Great Resignation. The Great Resignation hit retail like a tidal wave. There
1: has been a tsunami of job resignations in the U.S. workforce recently. Still, there are many workers.
0: But we talked to an economist who wonders if that's the wrong way of looking at it.
1: Maybe we shouldn't even call it the Great Resignation. Maybe we should talk about a shift in power.
0: This is Derek Hamilton. He's a professor of economics and urban policy at the New School, and he's been studying why people are quitting their jobs at record numbers right now.
1: Maybe we should talk about it as a way where now we have a balance that's moving in a direction where people are better empowered to make decisions that are healthy for their
0: lives. Hamilton says this trend could be the result of a lot of things. The fact that a lot of jobs became harder and more dangerous during the pandemic. And the fact that living through a deadly pandemic changes the way people think about their lives and what they want. But also, Hamilton says, the way that the government stepped in during the pandemic, with things like stimulus checks, the child tax credit, expanded unemployment, really changed the story.
1: We're coming out into a context where our stimulus was directed at people and workers, and that's actually a good thing.
0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Quitters, a special series from Post Reports. I'm Maggie Penman. It's Friday, December 17th. Today, for the last installment in our series, we ask an economist what he makes of the fact that so many people are quitting their jobs right now. And what he thinks the government and corporations can do to make sure there are more jobs people don't want to quit. If you want to understand what's going on with the labor market right now, Derek Hamilton says you actually have to go back and look at what happened after previous recessions. During the Great Recession of 2007 and 2008, the government took a very different approach to stimulating the economy.
1: In 2007, 2008, we were still in the nomenclature that if we bailed out banks, that that would trickle down to all of us and uh, rebound our economy. And in fact, it did. We didn't go into a Great Depression, but we should recall that we had a drawn-out recession and we had a long recovery and we ended up with what some people characterize as an oxymoronic ending of a recession, but in a jobless way. So in other words, the economy started to tick back up, but employment rates didn't rise accordingly. In comparison we had a very quick recovery with this pandemic. We had a record low level of duration in terms of recession. So if you add that context and you look at something like quit rates, two things come into mind. One, if you're comparing it in a historical context, this is somewhat unprecedented. And then two, it's not necessarily a bad thing that workers are empowered so that they're not working in bad jobs, jobs that have low wages or jobs that put them at health risk.
0: So what have you noticed about people who are quitting their jobs right now? Are there trends we've seen in who is quitting?
1: You know, in general, younger people have higher turnover rates in the workforce compared to other demographics. But it is a scenario where it's not just younger people. It is uh, more middle-aged people that are also quitting their job at, at higher rates than than what is typical. The big question is, is this something generational, a generational shift? I'm inclined to believe that there is a generational shift. And I don't think that it's disaggregated or unlinked from larger phenomena that we also observe taking place. For example, we see more protest amongst younger people. Perhaps this is a political shift in their ideology where it is not simply a job But it is a job with power, a job with dignity. You know, there's good jobs, bad jobs and no jobs. And what we should be striving for is good jobs. And younger people perhaps are making a shift in recognizing that it isn't just simply having a job. It's having a job that's well paid. It's having a job with decent benefits. And the employment shouldn't be separated from justice in general.
0: Have we seen something like this before? Have we seen any other great resignation? You know, as
1: economies tick up, as wages start to rise, we see that people are more likely to resign from their position and, frankly, have other opportunities, pursue better jobs. So it's not unusual. It's not unprecedented. I guess what might be unprecedented is the uptick the percentage of people that are actually uh, resigning their jobs. But it is an uptick within a context that's unusual to begin with. The shortest recession that I have ever seen, a recession that was brought about from a worldwide pandemic in which in this country there's already been 800,000 deaths. And again, this is not unlinked from employment. That even if we look at some of the sectors where we're seeing resignations, a lot of it is high customer contact. So people very well are making decisions, not just about wages, but about their work conditions and their safety in general.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up, because in the reporting that we've been doing on this trend, one of the things that we found is that it's not just about wages. It's not about like, oh, I'm quitting this $12 an hour job because I can make $13 an hour across the street. So what are the other reasons people are quitting besides money?
1: We shouldn't forget the fact that real wages are important. And in a historical sense, if we're talking about records, if we're talking about upticks, you know, workers have not really had a substantive raise for a fairly long duration for the last 50 years or so. That with increasing productivity, real wages have been roughly flat. So it is about wages, but a lot more than that. It is about Coming out of a pandemic and starting to realize some things that are important, like your health, like literally your health, like being able to care for one that is that is loved. These are some things that are in addition to wages that perhaps we need to consider when we think about our employment markets in general, in which workers are already starting to consider when they make their calculus about what type of job they want and are going to stay with.
0: Mm hmm. You mentioned caregivers and I think one important piece of this conversation that sometimes gets lost is so many workers including a disproportionate number of women have had to quit because they did not have adequate care for someone in their life. And I wonder what you make of that fact and that in this great resignation there there is a lot of empowerment and choice but there's also People who don't feel like they have a choice, who maybe liked their job, but can't afford to keep doing it because there's not adequate care for children or loved ones that's available.
1: I mean, clearly we need a care economy infrastructure to facilitate work. Right now, the onus of taking care of relatives from cradle to grave, as long as it's on individuals and workers, then we would be naive to not think that that spills over into the workplace.
0: So I wonder, what advice do you have for workers who are feeling like maybe for the first time in a while, they do have some choices, but they don't feel like great choices?
1: Organized, collective bargaining, that as individuals, they're isolated and limited, uh, but together they have greater power and that they should recognize that one of their biggest forms of power is public power, a public infrastructure to facilitate them in a more collective way. I think those are critical. You know, and I want to also point out a cautionary tale as we think about this moment, which is the impending benefits cliff that is on the horizon. The fact that at some point, some of the moratoriums around uh, student debt, around evictions, they're looming. And if we don't do anything about it, then this moment of a ray of hope can be doomed. But on the other hand, there's some optimism. There's some optimism as, you know, in New York, my understanding is for the first time, we have Starbucks workers who have organized into a union. Um, And that's not isolated. We see activity of worker organization all across the country. It wasn't so long ago that workers organized in places like West Virginia around education, teachers organized. So collective bargaining, And a movement amongst workers to redress that 50-year trend of increasing productivity but not being realized amongst real workers is indeed a real possibility.
0: After the break, what this newfound power means for workers across the country. We'll be right back. So, Professor Hamilton, when you look ahead to 2022, do you think we're going to keep seeing those record quit rates?
1: They won't continue at the rate that they're going. Again, we are coming out of a pandemic and eventually the rate will slow down. But what we want as a steady state or a plateau, again, it's not completely unhealthy to have workers with the ability to leave and transfer jobs. I think what we hope and what we desire is that the reason when people quit is the ability to find something better.
0: Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting at the very beginning of this conversation, I asked you, you know, why are record numbers of people quitting their jobs? And it seemed like you almost wanted to challenge that idea that so many people are quitting. And I'm, I'm curious why that is, or like what what's the narrative you're hearing that you want to push back against?
1: You know, when we think about 2020, Not only are we thinking about economic conditions, we should probably be thinking about political conditions as well. And one of the points I'm trying to make is that it was a public sector that facilitated people to be able to engage with employers with greater power than in the past that is related to some of the the high quit rates. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. So I'm really concerned about narrative, and this brings us back full circle, because if the narrative is not right, then some of the power that was granted to workers as a result of you know, a political change very well could be taken away. So rather than thinking of it as something bad, a great resignation, we really should be characterizing it as a rebalance of power, a rebalance of power that frankly empowers people to make decisions as it relates to their employment, that are more beneficial to themselves. This is the beginning. We need a lot more.
0: So is your fear that big companies are saying like, oh, the government gave people money and so they quit their jobs and so we should not let the government give people money as opposed to saying like, oh, wow, when people have a choice, they don't want to work for us and maybe we should make it better for them.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So as we think about narratives, if we think of this as a problem that employers are facing and we need to do something about it, you know, that could be a problematic narrative. Because the point is, if you want to hire workers, pay them more, improve their working conditions. And that's why we need that historical context, because we have not had that in a long time. The narrative within the country has been one of what's good for corporations is good for everyone the framing that corporations are the great job creators. Again, when we say job creators, we need to be talking about what type of jobs. Are they good jobs? Are they bad jobs? And the evidence is that you know, we have not had job increases in wages and conditions commiserate with the resources that have gone into the employment sector or the profits earned by the capital sector or firms in general.
0: One of the things that we heard from a lot of people we talked to, whether they worked at a big corporation or a little like mom and pop place, they really wanted to be treated with more respect at work. And I'm wondering if that's something that you see as part of this trend.
1: You know, we need to think about this in a larger context. We've already made the point about real wages being roughly flat for the last 50 years. We've also seen an upsurge in mortality rates. If you unpack some of the mortality statistics where a lot of it was related to things like alcohol use, things like drug use, and they labeled this death of despair. And these are ailments, illnesses, mortality that are not separable from social conditions. And I think this is the larger point. The larger point is rather than thinking about workers as simply cogs on the wheel, we need to really consider their humanity. We need to really consider the fact that we spend a lot of time of our lives in a job. And for a well-functioning society, those jobs not only need adequate wages, those jobs need proper working conditions. And if we're observing an uptick in quit rates, perhaps it's symptomatic of something that is deeper than that simple statistic. Is emblematic of workers now having the agency to bargain better and to change the trajectory towards what we really should be aiming towards, which is jobs with dignity.
0: Derek Hamilton is a professor of economics and urban policy at the New School. This episode was produced by Ariel Plotnik, Emma Telkoff, and Renny Svernofsky, who also mixed and scored. It was edited by Rena Flores. That's it for quitters, this special series for post reports. Thank you so much for listening. If you recently quit your job or you're thinking about it, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to postreports at washpost.com, or even better, record a voice memo and send that to us. We may use it in a future episode. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Our editors are Alexis Dio and Ted Muldoon. Our producers are Lena Mohammed and Jordan Marie Smith. Ariel Plotnick and Renny Svarnovsky are associate producers. Sabi Robinson and Emma Telkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. The post director of audio is Renita Jablonski. And I'm Maggie Penman. Martine Powers will be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.